With less than 48 hours from the Seahawks' first preseason game of the 2022 season in Pittsburgh, we're going to dive into the trenches to assess the situations on both offensive and defensive lines ahead of that game. Don't miss it here on Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Nick Lee, your host for the next couple of episodes of Locked On Seahawks. Thank you so much for joining us. Corbin is away, preparing to get married this weekend. Congrats to him and his lovely bride, Natalia. So we're going to hold down the floor. The substitute teacher is in, so to speak, here. And of course, uh, joining me is along this ride is the distinguished Rob Rang. Thank you. And, and thank you always to our listeners for tuning in. However, you may be listening or wherever you may be, your first listen five days a week here on Locked On Seahawks. Be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, however you get your podcasts. Thanks once again for tuning in. Later in the show, we're going to assess the situations down in the trenches, the big boys, the big uglies, however you say it. This is where football games are often won or lost. And what does the situation and the rotations perhaps look like ahead of the first preseason game in Pittsburgh this Saturday on both sides of the trenches? We'll discuss that a bit later in the podcast. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. There was a bit of news that came out down earlier this week in Seahawks land. There was a signing of journeyman cornerback Jamison Houston. He went undrafted out of Baylor in April in the April 2020 draft and has bounced around to the teams of the Browns, the, the Panthers, the Eagles, and Jaguars before landing here in Seattle this week. And we're going to discuss kind of what that means for the Seahawks room. But it sounds like with the injuries to the Seahawks or to the cornerback group here in Seattle that the Seahawks felt that this move was necessary, Rob? Yeah, I, I think that it makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, as you just said, Nick, um, you know, the Seattle has struggled a little bit with durability at that cornerback spot. Um, you know, we know that Sidney Jones has been dealing with concussion injury. Uh, Artie Burns, uh, you know, pulled his groin. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll made it sound like it didn't, like it wasn't that serious, um, but that Artie Burns was not likely to be available for this particular game against Pittsburgh Steelers. John Reed has been out as well. Uh, the rookie cornerbacks have been spectacular. Uh, you know, Kobe Bryant has been very, very consistent. Tariq Wollin certainly has flashed and, and also been very, very consistent in terms of coverage. Um, but at the same time, once you're actually playing in a real game, especially against a team that you know is going to run the football as much as the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're going to spread the ball out as much as they are, then you just have to have bodies. Um, and, and you use that term, Nick, journeyman. And, and certainly Jameson Houston has proven to be that, you know, four or five different NFL clubs uh, since coming into the league as an undrafted free agent. But I can tell you this, uh, you know, he was a three-star recruit. Um, he went through three different head coaches uh, at Baylor. Art Bryles, who is distinguished head coach, has issues off the field, but certainly it's a good coach. Jim Grobe, former all-ACC head coach at, at Wake Forest. And then, of course, Matt Rule, who now is the head coach in the Carolina Panthers. And when you're a player that, that has to go through all that transition, Nick, as you probably well realize, and maybe some of our fans listen, you know, listening uh, will recognize this as well. But again, I think that a lot of times when people look at it like, this is a guy who got signed in the you know in the eve of of the first preseason game. Basically, he has no shot at making the NFL roster, right? 
And I would argue against that, as I've just mentioned. I mean, this is a, a decorated athlete. He is well-versed in different NFL schemes, and the Seahawks need bodies. He is going to be on the field, if not against Pittsburgh, then likely next week's against Chicago. And that is going to get an awful lot of eyes on Jamison Houston at a position where Seattle needs help. Most of the NFL teams need help in the secondary, given the offenses in today's game. So I, I'm excited for Jamison Houston's opportunity. I'm also obviously excited about the, the opportunities for Seattle's younger corners. Um, but at the same time, I think this is a, a pretty big signing for a lot of different reasons, not the least of which, again, is just the opportunity Jamison, Jamison Houston now has in front of him. And Houston most recently played for the Michigan Panthers of the USFL. Um, and again, like you mentioned, this is definitely to address the thin herd right now at cornerback um, with the rookies. And of course, I, I'm really excited about the rookie, the, the this cornerback position. And uh, last week in a show, I, I mentioned that of all the, if I had to pick one position group that I was forced to watch and, you know, battle for, uh, you know, playing time and forced to watch as far as the, the, how the depth chart shakes out throughout training camp, it's the cornerback room. I think this is a, a fascinating position group unfortunately with the injuries it's got a little less of an edge to it now and and you know with trey brown still seems like he's a bit of a long shot to really play significant snaps in the preseason it's going to take a while for him to ramp up and those dang groin injuries man with Artie burns and john reed those can take a while um to heal just so that soft tissue stuff and um obviously the, the positive here is is james winston or james winston <laughs> jameson jameson houston just kind of rolls off the tongue there um it will get definitely get another shot and he's got some game experience. I think he played three games for the Eagles as a rookie. Um, and, of course, this will be a bit of a more opportunity for the rookie cornerbacks to, to get exposed a bit more in some of the preseason action in at camp. Um, and you had to get some, some experience in there. You had to bring in a guy that, that has, has done it in the NFL a little bit. Obviously not you know, a pro bowler or anything like that. Not a huge, you know, expensive signing. But definitely you want a, an injection of, of experience and, and a variety of experiences, like you mentioned, in that room because otherwise, you know, you're going to be out there with your two rookie cornerbacks. And while that is fun to think about, especially in a year where it's a bit of a transition, you like to have some of your guys, maybe a bit of a baptism by fire learning on the fly. There, there's a bit of a trepidation with that, especially in the cornerback position where a few things go wrong. As we saw last year, um, you, the other team can put up points in a hurry. So you definitely want some experience in that room. You absolutely do. I mean, that's been one of the biggest concerns I have about the offensive tackle position, where, of course, Seattle doesn't have anybody with any kind of real starting experience. You know, uh, of course, Jake Curran being the elder statesman of the bunch with his four or five NFL career starts to this point, you know, as a second year NFL player. Um, and so, again, I think that the addition of Jamison Houston and, and the fact that he is, uh, you know, a veteran who has had his stops in several different NFL teams, it would be the most natural thing in the world, Nick, for for. For, for Kobe Bryant, for Tariq Woolen to have a little bit of stars in their eyes. There could be a three river stadium going against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, talk about, you know, NFL, you know, greats and just, you know, one of those places that just screams the NFL, the league. And, and so there's going to be some welcome to the NFL kind of moments. And I think to have a, I don't know if I would call him a grizzled veteran, but a, a veteran of these types of experiences like Jamison Houston, as well as obviously all of the different veterans that Seattle already has on their roster. I just think it's a really good perspective for those young players to have to be able to bounce some ideas off of, because if they do have those stars in their eyes, and I don't want to suggest that Tariq Wool and Kobe Bryant are not ready for the moment, everything that they have shown with the, you know, the, the 
Butkus Award, excuse me, the, the Thorpe Award winner and the Tariq Woolen with the combine performance and senior bowl performances that, that both of these players had, they've shown their ability to rise to the occasion. But still, if they do walk in there with a little bit of stars in their eyes, so to speak, to have a player who is on the edge of the roster like Houston, who is going to just come in hungry and, and ready to do everything he possibly can, I just think it's going to be a, a huge advantage for the Seahawks to have that kind of perspective. It's similar to what maybe Rashad Penny saw, Adrian Peterson was brought into the fold a year ago. They bring up a good point with Adrian Peterson. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Jamison Houston isn't exactly in you know, a Richard Sherman or, or Jalen Ramsey, sure. but, and we're not going to try to, you know, blow smoke saying that this guy is going to be, you know, this guy's a sleeping pro bowler kind of thing. Um, <laughs> bottom line is you, you want some competition and you want these rookies to, to be a bit shielded a little bit, you know, and Tariq Wollin, you know, the, the, the best competition he played in college, at least last season was against Illinois. I mean, he's, he, and that, that's a big jump. And, you know, um, Kobe Bryant, even though he played for Cincinnati, certainly, you know, Cincinnati played some big teams. But and granted, they've looked good in camp against other NFL guys, you know, like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. They've they've held their own. But point is, you bring in some experience. Is Houston better than Woolen or Bryant in the long run? Probably not. Um, but you, you bring in a guy who's going to work hard and push those rookies. And that's a win. Um, get some snaps in the preseason, see what you got there. And plus you need some insurance if, you know, heaven forbid one of those guys goes down, you want to be prepared. I mean, I know Mike Jackson also is waiting in the wings as well. Uh, but we'll, and we have lots of time to dive into that, especially after we have a bit of uh, film to digest after that first game coming up next, we dive deep into the trenches. What's going on along the offensive and defensive lines for Seattle ahead of the first preseason game. Some things out to watch out for during that game. Don't miss it ahead here on locked on Seahawks. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent chocolate cookie dough. Mm. Covered in chocolate. That's right. Built Bar has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they are covered in real 100% chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to built.com to snag a box for you and the family. If you, and it would be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place for it and just hoard them for yourself. Like all built bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is hundred percent covered in hundred percent real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty chocolate covered cookie dough with a light fluffy texture. That's so good. What's great about Build is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and it's good for you. You are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the chocolate or ditch the calories, the fat and the sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar offer. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo LOCKEDON15. Welcome back to Locked On Seahawks here on this Thursday. I am Nick Lee along with Rob Rang. I'm kind of playing substitute teacher here as uh, Corbin is away preparing for a big moment in his life. So once again, congrats to him. And of course, Rob, thank you once again for joining us as one of the common hosts here on Locked On Seahawks. And um, in, case no one, in case you guys didn't know, um, I will be taking on a bit of a bigger role as well as the season progresses and um, you're going to see my ugly mug a bit more than once a week, I think. And um, I hear my somewhat annoying voice perhaps one more than once a week. So if you don't like that, sorry. 
I uh, hope you hope you enjoyed either way. Uh, but let's dive into the offensive line here, Rob. And and they the, the ESPN came out with a ranking of the offensive lines. And I know we all know these these lists are kind of arbitrary to start the year. You know, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot, and these are just guesswork. Much like you know the preseason polls in college football, which everyone loves to get mad about for no reason. Um, so the ESPN actually ranked the Seahawks 30th out of 32nd along the offensive line, stating that although they invested, you know, a lot of the draft capital in Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas in first and third round picks, they'll pay, they, uh, to quote them directly, it says they'll pay dividends down the road, but odds are that it will make it a rough 2022 offensive lineman. Even early draft picks are usually below average in their rookie seasons. So sounds like, you know, they, they're not a big believer, in at least the initial start of, of the season for the Seahawks along the offensive line. Let's talk about this from a, a, a standpoint of going into the first preseason game and what to look for. Now, of course, you have your your, your starting left tackle at Charles Cross. I, I think we can all agree that there isn't much to be, to, you know, competition. There isn't really much to discuss as far as the, the position battle at left tackle. It sounds like the Seahawks are pretty sold at using their number nine overall pick week one at left tackle. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in Charles Cross, that's why I think we have to start the conversation. Um, you know, obviously the earliest that Seattle has used a, a selection uh, on any offensive lineman since Russell Okung, number six overall, and John Schneider and Pete Carroll's very first year together. Um, yeah, he he is the, you know, easy answer at the left tackle position. He makes this roster. It's going to be interesting to see what happens behind him if Stone Forsythe does take over at that spot. Um, you know, I, I think that for the most part, um, the offensive line, at least the starters, look pretty solid, uh, much to the chagrin of, of those ESPN rankers out there, uh, you know, as you mentioned. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I just look at it like, you know, Abraham Lucas and Jake Curran, that's going to be the conversation at that right tackle position. But basically everything else is pretty much solidified. <clears throat> And I think what's interesting is that you look at, uh, you know, speaking of Jay Curran, you just look at what a kind of anomaly he was a year ago, Nick. I mean, in the, the eight years that the Seahawks have, uh, you know, been working together, John Schneider and Pete Carroll, but working together since Seattle's Super Bowl run in 2013, they have kept nine offensive linemen the majority of the time. There's only been twice that they kept as many as 10 offensive linemen. And last year, they kept 11. And normally those 10 would be exactly what you'd expect, the starting five and then a primary backup behind each of those positions. And sometimes you would drop down to nine if you had a really versatile player, might be able to play that swing role. In the years past, it's been guys like Jamarco Jones, for example. But last year, again, having 11, that's the most of the, the Seahawks have ever kept in the offensive line, at least during the Pete Carroll, John Schneider era. Um, again, it was just kind of unusual for Seattle to, to have that many offensive linemen. Normally they have the five tackles, uh, the five interior linemen. They had the six tackles last year. So I think when you look at it this year, it, it's going to be interesting to see that they only have 13 offensive linemen on the roster right now. Um, you know, so we're talking about only a couple of guys who are likely to be cut and they might wind up being practice squad members. Seattle had two practice squad members along the offensive line uh, a year ago. So, uh, again, I think that it, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the actual numbers play out. Um, and if Seattle's two young rookies are really ready to hit the ground and running as well as Seattle thinks that they are, uh, Pete Carroll's been kind of talking about, and there's these obviously these very, very high expectations. But, again, for the same reason why I think that Tariq Wool and Kobe Bryant might have stars in their eyes when they go to Three River Stadium and when they get those terrible towels rolling and that pass rush is coming out. I know it's a preseason game, but Charles Cross, Abraham Lucas especially – 
and the rest of Seattle's tackles too. Still Forsyth, Jake Curran also. And then the interior of the offensive line, I think, is a relatively strength, at least at the guard spots. But I'm really curious to see what's going to happen at center. I mean, obviously you have Austin Blythe, and he's going to be his very first game. But then what happens after that? Is it going to be Kyle Fuller? Is it going to be Dakota Shepley? To me, that while everybody's going to be focusing on the right tackle, I'm going to be focusing on the inside center and really seeing how well Austin Blythe is snapping the ball to Juno Smith and Drew Locke. And then who is the number two center? And does he uh, do a good job uh, against a, a formidable Pittsburgh front? Yeah. I, I, if you've been following me along you know, the, the offseason, I've been pounding the table that the center position is one of the bigger question marks on this whole team. And it has been for, for multiple seasons now. And now you're at a point where you're probably getting ready to draft a rookie quarterback this next spring. I really, really hope that the Seahawks really solidify the center position. I am not sure. I'm not sold on Austin Blythe. I know he started every game for the Rams in 2020. All they did is replace him and win the Super Bowl. And then when he went to KC, he got beat out by Creed Humphrey, who the Seahawks passed on in the draft. And I had to bring that up again. Um, and, uh, so, and he didn't play much and he was a healthy scratch quite often for, for KC. So I, I'm, I'm really not sold on him at center. I, I understand the familiarity with Shane Waldron's offense. And I, I am, you know, I'm of course rooting for him because I, I want the Seahawks to do well. And, and I, I, I understand so that there's some things to work with is with this familiarity with the system. So I'm going to be watching the center position pretty closely on Saturday, um, to see how well you, I know again, you know, the Steelers do have a, a decent defensive line. You know, there's a guy named TJ Watt. I don't think he plays much. Um, but, you know, there's no Aaron Donald in the middle um, that they're going to have to go in. But, you know, eventually Austin Blythe will have to match up with Aaron Donald twice. <laughs> so uh, it's it's going to be an interesting uh, uh, situation there. I, I, I argue that this is still one of the bigger question marks on the entire team is at center. Um, both guard spots, you know, uh, Damian Lewis, this is year two on the left side. There was a dip in the pro football focus numbers from his rookie year to his first year, or rookie year at the right side to his his first year on the left side last season. Um, his his uh, grade went from a seventy point two to a fifty seven point one on pro football focus. So there's, you know, I think you know he wasn't quite healthy. He was kind of learning a new side. Everything had to be flipped in his mind a little bit. So I understand some some struggles there. And I think I'm hoping a healthy Damian Lewis. In year two on the left side, it's a bit stronger. And and Gabe Jackson on the left side or on the right side, excuse me. Um, I think this is an interesting situation because uh, Pete Carroll has been extremely complimentary of the guy breathing down his neck and Phil Haynes. And I know Corbin's been a big Phil Haynes fan all camp, and he's been impressive. And so if if you're looking for you know the, the you're deep in the woods of the offensive line kind of rotation uh, for the this preseason game, I really want to see Phil Haynes out there. And, you know, I don't know if I don't think that there's a direct, you know, mano a mano competition between him and Gabe Jackson at the moment for that right spot. I think Gabe Jackson is the leader in the clubhouse for the job. But Phil Haynes is someone to watch for, perhaps as a, as a guy to challenge the incumbent starter because he's had a pretty good camp. He's had terrific camp, Nick. And Phil Haynes is a player that, yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited about as well. Um, you know, as you said, Pete, Pete Carroll has been kind of extolling his virtues. You know, called him a third starter, so he felt really good about the guard spot. And as we talked about, you know, center is a position of concern. Tackles are so young, um, and you obviously don't know exactly what the plan is just yet at the quarterback position. So th- there's a line of thinking that you know what is the reason to have a Pro Bowl guard that is getting paid the way that Gabe Jackson 
Jackson is. If, say, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who just had uh, some injuries, unfortunately, to the interior of their offensive line, if they or another team that is perceived as a Super Bowl favorite were to have some type of issues around the interior of their offensive line, they were to dangle a, a, a mid or late round draft pick Seattle's way for a veteran like Gabe Jackson. I think that's something that, that John Schneider has to think about at least. So uh, again, if, if you are watching in the second half and you want to see interior offensive linemen that, that might, based on their play, might actually have huge, be a huge domino that could drop kind of a thing, then yeah, I think the Phil Haynes and the, and Seattle, the rest of Seattle's interior offensive linemen, how they play could absolutely play a role in, in what Seattle decides to do with Gabe Jackson. I think that they feel very confident that he is the guy at right guard, obviously moving Damian Lewis over the left side, as you mentioned, but at the same time, it is a luxury for this club and, and one that I think that the team could opt to do something or just stand pat and just wait for the rigors. Because as you mentioned very correctly, sir, Aaron Donald is still in LA, he's still a monster. And, uh, and we'd like to have some, um, you know, some big guys like uh, Seattle's guards to be able to kind of combat that, especially given the concerns you have at tackle and center. And I think the other one is to watch for as well. You know, most people, when Abe Lucas was taken third overall or third overall third round, um, as, as a right tackle, most assumed that he would also kind of be a plug-and-play guy at right tackle. But I feel like Jake Curran was kind of that, that that usher meme going around like, watch this. You know, <laughs> this. Yeah. Well, watch me. Watch how I think about that. And Jake mm-hmm. Curran's really come along strong. He had some iffy numbers, you know, as far as the the analytics last year. But he it seems like he's really built on on that this offseason and this, this camp and has really taken a hold of that starting spot at right tackle. So I'm really interested to see that the rotation at right tackle this game and how how they how obviously I think they're both going to play and how they do against the, the speedy edge guys uh, that the Steelers have to offer maybe again not maybe not TJ Watt prime time you know it's a preseason game but still some talent along that defensive line and speaking of which we're going to go now to the defensive line Rob and and talk about you know the, the similar situation along the defensive line there's plenty of plenty of players who are who are you know, new to the system or you know, everyone's kind of learning a new system but you got newcomers like Chen Wosu Shelby Harris. And, of course, Quentin Jefferson coming back for a second stint. And Boye Mafe, the rookie. Um, Al Woods, of course, the the, uh, the steady veteran. Puna Ford in there as well. And I'm really excited about perhaps uh, what Daryl Taylor can do. Um, so you got your your assumed st- your, your assumed uh, starting spots. You got Ochenna Nuosu, Shelby Harris, Al Woods, Puna Ford, and Daryl Taylor, the assumed starters along the, along the defensive line and the edge there. Um, I'm really interested to see Boye Mafe. I feel like he's had a kind of a quiet camp. Like he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't really like had the, some of those the standout moments that some of the other players and some of the rookies from this class have had along camp. And I know it's really tough for the, the pass rushing to really shine and, and, and ha- get a good gauge for that in camp just because you can't you know lay out your quarterback on, on training camp and you know the pads aren't as popping as you will you see on Saturday. So I'm really interested – Rob, to get your take on where where you see Boye Mafe fitting in this and also uh, maybe what to watch for along the defensive line uh, come Saturday. Yeah, I think first off with, with Mafia, yeah, just the, the sheer athletic ability is, is pretty obvious when you uh, get an opportunity to kind of see him up close and personal. I think that you're going to see that, um, you know, kind of come through uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you know, they are kind of known for getting the ball out of their hands, the quarterback a little bit faster, um, at least during this training camp than what Big Ben Roethlisberger, of course, did for uh, throughout his, you know, soon to be Hall of Fame uh, career. Um, and, and so I don't know that you're going 
going to have quite as many opportunities to really pin your ears back and rush the quarterback the way that Boye Mafia and the rest of Seattle's edge rushers would like. Um, I, I hope that's the case. Uh, and from a Seattle's perspective, I think it would have been a lot of fun to have seen Seattle's pass rushers be able to, to go after an aging Ben Roethlisberger. But now you got Mitch Trubisky, who is a, a pretty athletic quarterback. People don't give him a lot of credit for how, how quick he is to escape the pocket. And he usually gets the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. Mason Rudolph, of course, has a great deal of experience in their offense. And then you've got the rookie and uh, Kenny Pickett. And, you know, there was so much was made about Kenny Pickett's small hands in, in, in the pre-draft process. So you asked where I think the boy Mafe can make a big play. He can do exactly what he did in the senior bowl game. He can, can absolutely take over with his speed and power. Uh, I think that he, I would not be surprised at all if he winds up getting a sack, maybe a forced fumble in this kind of a game, just because he is going to be going up against tackles who are not as familiar with him as a Lucas, who went up against him in the senior bowl, of course, um, you know, and, and then uh, you know, a little bit more of a crafty veteran kind of guy and Jake Curran, who has been able to go against him. I think you'll see Boye Mafia for the most part be going off of that that right tackle side, um, and I think that's going to help him a little bit. I think Mafia is going to be productive and, and show some flashes. I just think you have to move him straight upfield, not ask him to drop back. And that that's part of the conversation right there, is just how many bodies, because Seattle is making that, that adjustment along their defense. In, in the past, they have gone traditionally with nine defensive linemen. Um, and as I mentioned before, often nine offensive linemen, nine defensive linemen. It's been interesting how often Seattle has basically just matched the same number of offensive and defensive linemen, at least on their initial 53-man roster. Last year, if you were to count Daryl Taylor as a defensive lineman, they had 10 guys on the offensive line, as I mentioned, or on the defensive line, excuse me. Um, to me, that's going to be interesting to see this year what they're going to be doing there, because right now they have 13, uh, I, I believe, defensive linemen, again, including guys like Daryl Taylor, and boy mafe so i'm fascinated to kind of see the guys who i think are on the bubble are going to be guys like lj collier um who is a, is a better football player i think than than it's perceived by a lot of people in seattle because they using a first round pick i think the seahawk fans wanted him to be a 10 sack kind of a guy and he's just not that kind of a guy but he is strong at the point of attack he's kind of the opposite of a daryl taylor boy mafe kind of a guy but can you go with a guy like him and then cut a player like Alton Robinson, um, you know, and, and so I, I just think that you're going to basically be running out of, of jobs. So I, I kind of have a list here of, of six guys. And I wonder if maybe you're talking about three of these six at most making this roster. And here are the six, right? I think are on the edge. Um, and, and that being again, LJ Collier, Alton Robinson, Miles Adams, Tyreek Smith, uh, Matt Cotell, Jared Hewitt, um, there's another player, Antonio Valentine. I mean, you're talking about six, seven players with only two or three spots at most available to them. So, yeah, talk about fighting and scratching and clawing for jobs. I think that's what's going to make this defensive line group something to watch in the Pittsburgh Steelers game and, again, on the rest of the, the Seattle's training camp because this is going to be a, fat, a fight, scratch, and claw kind of a battle. Yeah, you bring up a great point with some of the, the competition there. And, and LJ Collier probably, I imagine, won't play. He's pretty banged up right now and and i yeah. think that's going to unfortunately be a knock against him in in this case to you know miles adams is is a charging uh challenger to to that spot um alton robinson i think same thing with just being on the bubble for sure and, and some guys that are hungry behind him uh miles adams i think is another one a sneaky one to watch for perhaps yeah later on in the game cuz he he came on and had some opportunities last season and i think he 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 endeared himself to the coaching staff and now with collier not being available and we say all the time 
the best ability is availability. And right now, Elijah Collier has not been, you know, unfortunately, some of that's not his fault. It's just it's sheer bad, dumb luck. Um, but it, that's just kind of the nature of the game. So hopefully he can get it back in there and really start to fight for his spot. Because if Miles Adams comes in there and, and shines on Saturday, LJ Collier, of course, I, I, I'm assuming will not play. Um, I could be wrong. I could I could be missing a report there. Um, but, it, you know, if Miles Adams shines and, and LJ Collier's on the sidelines and, you know, civilian close, you know, that that, uh, that that won't spell great for him. And it's unfortunately the, the kind of the, the nature of the beast and the business. I'm excited. I know that, you know, it's that we're talking about preseason, so we won't see the assumed starters a ton. Um, Uchenna Nuosu, I think, is one of the more sneaky good signings the Seahawks have made coming off a career year, five sacks, 30 pressures, all career highs, still only 25 years old. I really think that, that this is, could be a sneaky good signing to pair him with Daryl Taylor. I, I think could turn into a pretty phenomenal combo off the edges. Uh, I, I know we probably won't get a ton of snaps with those two together um, in the preseason games moving forward just because those would be two uh, assumed starters off the edges. Um, but I, I think that there'll be some more exciting ones. Um, so, yeah, Robbie, bring up some great points about the, the competition behind the guys. And, and uh, Brian Monet is another one I think. I don't think his job's like in, in jeopardy, but a guy that certainly – um, is is a, has been a stalwart on this team and a rising star, perhaps. And so, yeah, the defensive line as a whole, I think, is a bit more solidified than the offensive line. Um, there's there's been an injection of talent, and, and Daryl Taylor, I think, is a walking double digit sack man. Um, is if he can just get his opportunities and get in the right scheme and stay healthy, I think Daryl Taylor has an enormous opportunity uh, to to notch double digit sacks and. Um, it, it, it's, it's going to be fun to watch in the trenches. I know that I, the preseason game, there's a bit of a feeling out process, but Rob and I tomorrow on Friday show, we'll, we'll break down kind of what to watch for a bit more in depth of the two sides between the Seahawks and the Steelers ahead of the game at 4 PM on Saturday, Pacific time. Thank you for listening. You can follow me at Nick Lee 51. Sorry for all the baseball tweets. Sorry, not sorry, really. But as the season goes on, of course, football will be king. And you can also follow Rob Rang at Rob Rang on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us. And see you next time on Friday's show for a preseason preview here on Locked On Seahawks.